With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. the Fulhamish podcast, your weekly audio guide to the tragedy of supporting Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and on tonight's pod we'll be chatting about how the bees hit us with a big second half sting yesterday at Griffin Park as we came away from the West London derby with zero points. It's a very sombre atmosphere in the studio today and I've got two fellows who no doubt will have some venomous points to make. Jack Collins. Hello listeners. And Frauer Monk. Hello. How are we all doing? I've felt better. I'm dying in a hole. <laughs> like, without being funny, I'm it, actually dying in a hole. It's a good thing the podcast can't pick up smells because I think you'd be able to smell the alcohol coming from Jack's breath through it, through, the, through your ears. It's tough. It's a tough gig. You had, someone had to drown the sorrows after yesterday's absolute nightmare. So well, this is the dangers of recording a podcast on a Sunday. Uh, Precisely. We've, yeah. done, we've done lots of things in our short time, but never have we ever recorded a podcast on a Sunday, the Lord's Day, but here we are uh, in Jack's dad's office. Yeah, <laughs> shouts out to Big Jez Collins, shouts out to Big Tony Collins, all um, the lads. Because uh, we are at the FSF Awards tomorrow because we're nominated for Club Podcast of the Year. God, that'll, be a, that'll be a quiet one in the library. <laughs> Not. <laughs> uh, and we can see why from the quality of podcast that is about to come your way today. <laughs> All right, well, before we discuss yesterday's game, we do need to do some three-word reviews. I imagine, Jack, they're looking fairly bleak. Yeah, it's not, isn't, it's not pretty. Let's put it that way. Have you spent um, it all morning? Must, there must have been 300 of them that must have come through. Well, it's a defeat, isn't it? So we always get more. Yeah. I, looked, I looked at them and felt sad. So I stopped <laughs> looking at them. Um, PK at Fulham 1000 said, take a doy off, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, Alistair Winstanley says, momentum, what momentum? Um, Jerry Pym says, two-fifth article tweaked, which I thought was clever. Um, and MJG's Yukanovich to blame. Well, we're going to come on to Yukanovic. There was lots of bizarre decisions yesterday. A 3-1 defeat at Griffin Park. And I want to say unfortunate, but I feel like it was fully deserved. The reason I want to say unfortunate, though, is because at one point yesterday afternoon, probably around the uh, 35th minute, I was thinking we were in for a blinder here. We went 1-0 up through Niskins Cabano and we were playing brilliant football. It just... I didn't see... What happened in the end coming? A hundred percent. It was the the first half an hour, 40 minutes was just an absolute horror show from Brentford and an absolute delight to watch Fulham. Uh, they couldn't get anywhere close to our, uh, our players. We were passing it around well. There was hardly any misplaced passes. We were winning it back strong. We were creating chances. Ojo, Cabano, they were everyone was looking bright. Sessignon, they they couldn't they couldn't handle our left back. Our left back was causing them so many problems for them. And it was it was just incredible to watch. I just couldn't believe the difference in performance that completely switched because it wasn't I wouldn't say it was Brentford that switched it on. Fulham just switched off. Um, Jack, it was a bizarre starting lineup from Slav. We yeah. were all in the pub uh, beforehand. The Castle Inn, great nomination, by the way. There, yeah, we had Jack. a good time. Shout incredible... out to everyone that turned up at the Castle Inn. We had a really good time. Um, but we were all there at about one minute past two, looking perplexed at our phones, trying to work out what on earth he was doing. It was some kind of variation on a four-six-zero <laughs> with Steph Johansson playing up highest I mean like Slav Bingo has gone off the charts as in Dom Dom Betts will hate this but we actually did play with a false nine yesterday it wasn't a a striker playing there's not a striker we actually played with a false nine and Steph and we played an injured centre midfielder (laughs) as our you know focal point theme and you know what For, for 20 minutes it worked Although Steph remained reasonably anonymous, but for 20 minutes it worked because the ball was just absolutely pinging around that midfield and, and there was no way that Brentford could get anywhere close to it. And 
you know, at, at that point, I was like, Jesus, Slav's played a masterstroke. Like, he's, you know, this this false nine. And then at one, and then when Lassie Viva got injured, Brentford bore on a false nine. And um, and suddenly this was, you know, two false nines playing against each other in a championship game. And, you know, I know Ben would have been very excited about this. But it was, <laughs> um, you know, if it wasn't full and Brentford. But it, it was weird to, to see the sign up. And, and, and then, you know, basically Slav's, Slav's lineup was was weird and then his substitutions were weirder and then you know basically no one had a clue what was going on tactically and and, and we didn't either and maybe the, the idea was to confuse Brentford by not knowing what we were doing ourselves well yeah how can they know what we're going to do if we don't if know what we we're going to do it ourselves yet. yeah precisely uh, not to defend Jukanovic on it I mean it was it was a weird starting lineup, but I wasn't particularly surprised with the lineup. I mean, what you was you expected Steph in a full snot? No, no, but I expect I did expect those. I expected a variation of those eleven players, okay, if yeah. not like one or someone else. You know, you expect Steph Joe to start when he's when he's fit. You expect Ojo to start when he's fit. No one on the pitch at the given who was available was a surprise to you know to start and I was surprised you went with four centre midfielders with one of them in the full style I'm not yeah, going to lie yeah, yeah absolutely I, I don't think that that is not a variation on Slab's theme like that is weird yeah but he's he's picked some odd starting lineups oh, in the yeah, past yeah, 100%, yeah you know, don't get me wrong Aluko up front in the playoff semi-final was a bit of an odd one weird um Weird blokes, <laughs> yeah. Weird blokes. I think we know this already. Well, uh, Slav, we we don't call it Slav Bingo for nothing. Yeah, true. Um, let's get on to the first Fulham goal. It was a lovely play from Fredericks down the right. A lovely ball across, and and Neeskins popped it away. His first goal since maybe Ipswich. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, and he hasn't played that much since Ipswich. No, really. fair play. But he, it was. It was just looking so rosy at that point. Oh, it was just, it was really good. We were really, really, really good. I mean, for all the weirdness, and it, you know, the, it was a bit of a masterstroke what had occurred with the lineup because we were all over them. Fredericks was looking so bright down the right, Session was looking so bright down the left. And we'll come on to a bit later, but, you know, they were probably our brightest two players even in the second half. But for the goal, it was all, it was just, it was all really worked. It was really well worked. It was. Um, exactly what we needed Fredericks getting down the line getting a good ball in and we had bodies in the box to finish it gone gone have been too many times not just with Fulham but so many other teams where a winger gets the byline puts an amazing ball in no striker in there I mean we're playing we could play false 9, 10 and 11 we still had three players in the box ready to slot it home yeah it was good the point though the turning point of the afternoon was Josh Clark allowed to gallop through our midfield in, in fairness to him it was a good, good yeah. it was a good run and I don't know if there was a huge amount that the Fulham midfield could have done he also chop got him. chop him in the halfway well, line yeah um, but he gallops through and then Sergi Canos uh, squares up against Ryan Fredericks give his, gives him that yard that you can't afford to give yeah. a, a talented player like Canos and he got his first goal since April little deflection goes under button and from there on in, it just turned into a horrible, horrible afternoon. You can't really blame. I, I wouldn't. Blame, I wouldn't lay that one at Button's door. Um, he's, you know, he, he's not one hundred percent to blame for the for the goal in, the, in that one. There's a lot of things we can criticise David Button for yesterday. That is one of them. It's a deflected ball that squeezes under his body, and I, I don't think you can lay that at Button's door. I think. Frederick shouldn't step back off Canos, but realistically, the midfielders just got someone's got to chop, chop Clark mm-hmm. at the halfway line. Even if you know, realistically, he, he wasn't going anywhere. Probably wouldn't have even been a booking. Yeah, and even if it was, you've you know you've you've halted a counter attack at, at pace, like mm-hmm. as in your. This the one thing you've got to do is you just can't give him that. Like it screamed danger from <clears throat> seventy yards out. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Everyone and we said to it. We said it was coming through. We were like, oh, here he goes. Here he goes, and suddenly we were like, right, he's in. That's it. Yeah. It's done. I didn't even see the goal go in. I saw it take the deflection, and then saw it, and I was like, right, well, that's that. But it was. I saw him celebrate in front of us. I saw him celebrate in front of us. I did nearly very much lose my lose my nut at that point. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was one of those ones where you know, Canos is obviously a very talented player. I was the arsehole, but you know, talented player. And what a horrendous haircut. Yeah, like shit, Shay Ojo. that's what I'd say Uh, speaking of Shea Ojo we could have got back in front very shortly afterwards it's a glorious chance that he's missed and it's now been a couple of weeks in a row where he's missed missed big chances yeah actually two very similar chances uh, cross into the box and he's kind of got nothing on the header I remember just before he got injured there was that 
that happened. I think it was in the Burton game. He, he missed, missed like, he missed two sitters, I believe, if uh, memory serves correctly. Yeah, and then I think in the next game against QPR, I think he missed a good chance as well he did, before he did. before he got uh, injured. He injured yeah. I mean, these things happen. It's good that we're getting into positions to create chances. We do need. To, I mean, we've said, we've spoken about it time and time again about punishing teams when we're on top, and we should have been, you know, two or three up before they got their goal, but. Ojo, it's getting a bit repetitive with not just Ojo, but so many other players missing good chances. And once again, Fulham's fallibility at the start of second halves uh, continues. There seems to be this just... We, we know that between about 45 and 55 minutes during the game, Fulham are going to be crap. We never come out in the second half all guns blazing. And Brentford very, very much did. And it only took them four minutes for Romain Sawyers, who I believe came on as a sub. He was the full spider. For uh, Lassie Vigba. And uh, pro- poked Brentford into the lead. Actually, quite a similar goal to Neeskin's. Yeah, 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 exactly. I so. um, it, was, it was one of those things where, you know, obviously it's a well worked goal, but Fulham never come out. We, I don't know what Slobis is doing at half time in there, but Fulham have. I, I can't remember a game where Fulham came out second half firing. No, like not in not this season at all, and and especially not this season. Sorry, but even last season, I struggled to think of a game where Fulham came out of the blocks quickly. We don't particularly come out of the blocks quickly in, in the, at the start of games either. No, take a couple of, of minutes to, to really settle down, and you know, I don't know what's going on in that kind of regard, but it's very much a, a an issue and that needs to be addressed because we're you know obviously lacking, and and as you can see here, if we'd gone in at one, if it had been one one until sixty minutes. And everything had calmed down. I think we would have gone and you know we could have pushed on and, and looked to win that game. But as soon as we go one behind, heads start going. You know, people's heads start dropping, and and suddenly Fulham are on the back foot. And in that kind of atmosphere, we absolutely collapsed. Yeah, and it's you know I think a lot of other teams against us have those bad times as well. But the difference is other teams punish us, whereas we don't. So I mean, Brentford had their bad half an hour, and we only punished them with one goal, and then we have start having a bad time of it, but they punish us and other teams do it to us all the time. Yeah, 100%. We just don't, we're just not good enough to to take the chances when we when they're presented to us. The moment though, this game went from bad to worse, uh, very much so, was Dennis Adoy's two quick fire yellow cards. Uh, he picked up a very rash one for his, for his first, a slightly needless tackle from Dennis. Yeah. I think it was on the touchline. I can't remember the Brentford player uh, he fouled. But I remember at the time thinking, oh, he's gone away with it a little bit there, Dennis. Should have been that the moment where Slav sees that Dennis has just picked up a yellow car, which very nearly could have been a red and thought, I've got to take him off here because he's now playing centre-back. He's clearly on absolute final warning. He had to just make one mistake in the rest of that game and he was off. (laughs) The best explanation of this I can give is, you know when you're playing FIFA and you get a player booked... And you're like, I should sub him before he gets sent off. And then you're like, oh, no, I can't be bothered. Like, that's literally what must have been going through Slavisa's head. You're like, nah, you're all right. Like, it is fine. You know, he's like, oh, I've just seen him. He should have been sent off for the first foul. That, that warning he got was 100% a yellow card. He's a, he was a lucky, lucky boy to stay on the pitch that time. Mm. And the fact that Slavisa didn't take him off immediately after that is absolutely shocking management. Like, shocking. And the, as in, at the end of... Dennis Adoy is getting burned there by, by Canos two or three times, two, 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 three times already in that game. And it was one of those ones where there were, those players were burning past him and, and getting on the end because we were giving them space because we were trying to go up the other end and attack, which is fair enough. But once he's on that yellow card and the warning, the next one he's going to go. And the ref, you could see the ref was like, you're going to go next. And we said it to him. He said, no more or that's it. And for Sarisa not to be like, oh, yeah, he's probably probably a little bit in trouble there. Maybe I should think about making a substitution. I'm not even seeing him bring, I'm not even saying bring on Jallo. Like, K-Mac went to centre-back when, you know, when we, when we went down to 10 men. Bring, you know, that's fine. And K-Mac did all right down there. But what I'm saying is let K-Mac play there Beforehand, like let him let him play there. At that point, what you could have done was brought on camera would have been my option, and like, that's coming from me. Camera for Adoy at that point. How times change? How, no, as in like in the, that game was crying out for an Abubakar camera, and that is saying something. Like all it needed was some absolute bull in a china shop job. Well, it was calling out for it, especially once Adoy was sent yeah. off. Mm. Font is not the man to be bringing on there, especially when you're trying to play a possession-based team with ten men. I love yeah. Font, but. 
100% the wrong decision. Like, absolutely full stop the wrong decision. There is, there's, There can be no justification for that. I don't understand what was going through Slav's head when he was like, oh, I know what I'll bring on with 10 men. Ruby Font, that surprisingly not fast player who likes to play with his back to goal and bring other players into the game when we have got less players. Mm. It was a bit of an odd one bringing on Font. Um, he's a nice option to have. We know he's a good footballer, but it, it wasn't the right person at that particular time. What was weird is that as soon as we went down to 10 men, we seemed to start playing better for like a good sort of like five, 10 minutes. We had a lot of the ball and Brentford could not keep hold of it for more than two or three passes because Fulham pressed them so much, which was just incredible for like a team down to 10 men. And we were still pressing them high and still trying to win the ball and being successful at it. I mean, that's absolutely bizarre. I mean, Ojo was running his socks off. I want to see the stats of how many yards they've run, but... It must have been incredible. I think the stats in the second half, I mean, it looks horrible because it was something like Brentford had 13 shots and Fulham had two, but the possession was still something like 60% Fulham, which is in, which is insane. Ollie, um, Ollie Norwood didn't have a good game yesterday, but he did run around a lot. He put a lot of yards in, yeah. which I which I respect. I mean, the, the, Ollie Norwood, he does. He's he's obviously a good footballer, but he had one of his bad games again yesterday. I think out of all the, all the players that played yesterday the one that I think actually had a bad game was was Norwood because he was having his yeah. usual Hollywood pass every single time and not coming off Barton had a bad game I, well I don't know I don't I don't, not even about the goal as in the guy I don't think the deflection's his fault and you know mm. his positioning's arguably a little bit off for the third goal but you know not much off like mm. as in but I didn't think Barton had a good game no he well, didn't and we're, we're, we're sticking our necks out to defend him and then then he does that I mean you, you can say he's got high passing statistics but yesterday he kicked the ball out about four times he just had I mean easy passes went wrong yeah, yeah, yeah. just really really simple passes mm, yeah. and I still don't and I still we, don't think Bettinelli's the answer and, uh, that, and I don't know what I'm calling for here yeah. but Button had a bad game yes, that's all I'm I, I wouldn't say that the result yesterday wasn't based on Button's performance at no, all no 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 not at all but you know when we were trying to get the ball back and recycle it and he's passing out of play and mm. it's hard to defend him with statistics like you know, I've, I've spent the entire week defending Button on statistics on on, on social yeah. media, saying look at his passing percentages higher than anyone else in the championship. And then he goes and he does that yesterday, where he just was absolutely diabolical in possession, and it was you know one of those things. I was like, well, I've just spent a week complaining, yeah. telling people all, all over that your your distribution is better than better than Alex, wasn't, there it one, is. wasn't there one like literally within the first five minutes where the, he played it to Adoy, Adoy played it back to him. And he took a bit of a heavy, heavy touch and then he tried to kick it away and he actually kicked it off yeah, the approaching striker. It's not so much that. Like, as in, as in, that's one thing. One thing is playing it short and getting it back and it, it not potentially coming off. It was more just like slide rule passes out to Fredericks were going straight out of play. Mm. And um, it's hard to justify that yeah. to anyone. Like, you know, least of all me. Like, I, I like Barton and I think Barton gets a rough ride of it, but there's, there's very little I can say to defend him when he performs like that. I just... I. I I totally agree. I just think that Button is not where we should be focusing our attention on. I mean, it's, the, no. the, as in the person that was responsible for yesterday's loss is Slavisa Jakanovic. I don't think there's any two ways anyone can deny that. I think not only the starting lineup, and in fairness, the starting lineup kind of worked. Yeah, that's fine. Because Look, we all called it out and we said it was weird, but it, it worked for 20 minutes. It's the substitutions. the substitutions or lack of substitutions that have absolutely killed that game dead. And, and Dullatore, I didn't think, was the right man to be playing in that kind of environment. And then poor old Jordan Graham. He's poor had, Jordan Graham. He's had two appearances as a substitute for Fulham. One of them, he comes on with 10 minutes left against Burton, you know, which was, uh, was a not a nice not, situation not, no. to uh, find himself in. Admittedly, he didn't do very well. He didn't do himself any favours in that game. And then yesterday, he's brought on uh, for a 10-man team away from home, two goals down. In fairness, he, he was coming on before they scored the third goal. Did he? Okay, but he wasn't on for long. No, no, he was coming. No. He didn't come on, but I'm saying he, oh, was, was, he was already stripped and ready when, yeah, when yeah, they scored yeah. the third goal. So, you know, Slavisa obviously was like, go and rescue us a point. And then they scored the third goal and he was like, well, I've said you're going on now, so you may as well go on. Jordan Graham's yeah. ability is his ability to get out of his feet and whip it into the box. Who's he whipping it into the box to? Well, Niskis Cabano, who came off before. Della Tor. Delatore actually has nearly scored a header for us once. <laughs> I think that's that on top of his CV. Legit. It just seems to me that you saw Brentford on Monday, and this was a Brentford team that had taken a massive confidence knock on Monday against QPR and had two less days to prepare for the match. I don't know if that's a bit by the by, though. And what did they struggle with, Brentford, on Monday? They struggled with Matt Smith 
coming on. And I'm not saying that Fulham should play long ball football, but when you're down to 10 men and against a team that can keep the ball really, really well, if this been Millwall, I'd have thought, no, let's try I reckon we can outpass can them, yeah. an 11-man Millwall with 10 men. But I didn't think we could do that with 10 men against a team like Brentford who can keep the ball. What do they struggle with, though? They hated that long ball into the box. And there is one player who you can do that with, and his name's Abubakar Kamara. You've got to start playing percentages when you've when you're in these situations. But we don't do that. We spoke, we, the last time I was on, we were talking about being more pragmatic. We're, we're not that team. We're not that team anymore. We don't have that option of playing pragmatic football. And it goes back to what you were saying before when Sergio Canos was running through and someone's crying out, just chop him down. We just don't do that. That's what other teams do to us. And we just don't have that in our back pocket. Ryan Fredericks does. Oh, yeah. Fredericks loves chopping someone oh, down. Did you see Tom? Ke- did you see Tom Kearney's yellow card? Yeah, that was hilarious because he obviously lost the ball, fell over, and the guy took it, and he was, was like, just nah, he just right. like nah, nah, see you later, mate. Ke- Fredericks was which was you know, fine. Fredericks went on a run before Fredericks got booked. We we should come on to this because we don't have a right back next week. Um, but before Ryan Fredericks got booked, he went on this like amazing oh, run. What a run. It was a great run. It was a great. Run. It was a really good run, and it was it was all very good, and, and everyone had a good time. And um, you know, and then he we got fouled three or four times yeah. during the course of the run, and the ref gave nothing. Nothing. And as soon as the ref gave nothing, I was like, Fredericks is either going to get booked or sent off here. Yeah. yeah I yeah. saw him coming back for the bloke, and I was like, he is going to kill him. And he did, and didn't he? It he was, absolutely chopped him. You know what? Uh, as Ryan Fredericks tackles go, it was actually quite tame. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was it. He got booked for a bit. It was it, he. he it, it was one of those where he took his he swept his legs away. It was a sweep, but not like a. I thought he could go two fit studs up like, yeah. and I wouldn't have been surprised at all and you know I wouldn't necessarily have blamed him no. I'd have been like yeah he almost th- talked his way into a, into a second yellow because he was he got the yellow but was complaining 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 and the referee had to calm him down Let's because he was you know I mean you didn't you didn't need to be an expert in uh, body language yeah, yeah, and lip yeah, reading lip to reading. understand what he was saying let's um, talk quickly about right backs because well, okay. Well, what are we going to do? There, I mean, it's well. Are we going to see Stephen Sessignon at right back next week? I think we're going to have to. I, think, I think that's it. I think we're going to have Sessignons on either wing. Double I, Sess. I, I know, but I'd, something weird is going to happen. Your Sess is on fire. <laughs> it's just going to be. It's just going to be someone really weird. Maybe Jordan Graham will play right back yeah. next week. Tyo Eden, I suppose, is the like less weird, yeah. more normal option. He actually could play. Can play. Well, right who's going to be? Who's? Do you think if Reem's not back, who's going to play centre back? Will Maddell have to come back in? Will Jallo play? I think McDonald will play centre-back. I'd prefer that. Yeah, I mean, McDon- I agree with you. McDon- McDonald's, after the sending off, was probably our best player at centre-back. Well, I mean, there were... We they- use him as a midfielder, though. I wouldn't be surprised if Tim Ream's back. They thought that Ream was going to be back for Saturday. Slavard said that earlier in the week. Mm. He expected Ream to be back, so he can't be miles off unless something's gone terribly. What I don't even know what Ream's injury is. No, I mean, because the club are terrible at telling us what's going on. Because the club refused to tell us why, what when players are injured, they just don't, they just yeah. don't, they don't let the fans know. So it's actually genuinely like you look at the team, you're like, mm, Reeves out. What was the, what that's was weird. The, what was the one last uh, the other week where Slavs says uh, the only people that are out are Ojo and someone else, and then the Piazon, yeah, and yeah, Piazon, the pod, Piazon, yeah, and then the the uh, the sign lineup comes out and it's like, oh yeah, these two people are injured, and we're like, oh, why, why did you say, why did you not say that? that? <laughs> We've had this discussion before. I know, yeah. Um, yesterday though, uh, just finalising on Brentford, it seemed like a season definer to me. Yeah. It felt like our season was at a tipping point. It was a seesaw and it was balanced. We got two wins in a row. And I felt like, did we win yesterday? If we won yesterday, we could have potentially saved our season. We could have re- uh, rewritten some of the wrongs from September and October and potentially pushed on with three more winnable, very winnable games coming up. But if we lost, which we did, I just feel like there is nothing left in this season. We're eight the points off the playoffs now. Nine points, I think. Well, I was going to say, by the time that people are listening to this, it could be 11. Yeah. Yeah. Mid-table mediocrity is what is in store for us this season. I just don't see anything else. I genuinely believe that Slav has thrown this season, mm. to make a point. I don't... I I do, I, I'm not sure... That. I'm not sure I totally agree with that. I know it looks bleak at the moment. Oh, well, I mean, bleak's a strong word. I mean, I mean you and me, Sammy, we spoke um, briefly about this over a morale-boosting McDonald's at lunch. Um, <laughs> and... I don't. I still think that we'll be there, there or thereabouts this season. It's not the end of the world. We're in a similar position this time last year, and although last year was a massive, it did feel like a massive one-off. I still feel like this team is capable, but it's going to be hard. It's you know, 
only a, a couple more bad results then maybe I'll change my tune but I certainly think we are capable of kicking on and getting getting some good results before Christmas I just feel like the players you know obviously Slav sees them in training and we don't and that's that's one thing but you know from what we've seen of, of, of players like Johan Molo who's come on and you know been good every time he's played he's not had I don't think a bad game in a white shirt yeah, as far as you know, as far as I'm concerned, and you know, call me out if you think I'm wrong. But like well, that QPR game, he was outstanding, fantastic. He was a brilliant player, and, and then all of a sudden he's back in the under twenty ones. It just doesn't make any sense. And you know, it's one thing someone saying that Rafa Suarez is obviously not capable defensively. That that is one thing, right? If someone's saying to me, you know, if Slav came out and was like, we don't think Rafa Suarez is strong enough defensively to to play him in a championship game yet, I'd be like, okay. All right, and he's not going to do that, though, is he? He's not going to come out or and start. just give him a game. And if if we all can, if like if you know, realistically, it can't get much worse at this point. Well, so, you know, give Rafa Suarez a game against someone like Bolton or Millwall. You know, teams that aren't particularly proficient attacking wise, right? Yeah. And and then if we can all be like, oh, that Suarez isn't up to it defensively, then Saf can be like, told you so. Which is very different from what he was doing last season, because in those in those sort of positions he was rotating a little bit last season this season he's just not doing it it just doesn't make any sense no, I think some of his decisions are getting weirder and weirder as the weeks go on uh, we'll come on to the Birmingham game and who we think Slav might pick uh, after a quick break just to say that Fulhamish this season is backed by Ladbrokes right now you can bet £5 get £20 you can do that by following the link at bet.fulhamish.co.uk so a Birmingham preview coming up and your questions of course after this Jack, how do you like your beer? Ideally in multiple quantities. Well, I can do that in multiple quantities and I can give it to you for free thanks to our mates at Beer52. How does eight free craft beers and you pay only the postage and packaging sound to you? It sounds incredible. Free beer all over the gaff. Shout out to Beer52. You can get that right now by using the code Fulham at Beer52.com. What they'll do is they'll send you a box of beer just like this one we have here. Eight free craft beers straight to your door. All you need to do is use the code Fulham at beer52.com. Pay the postage and packaging. It's that simple. You going to do it, Jack? Yes, I am. Let's get on it. Sign up now. Fulham at beer52.com. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James, joined by a very hungover Jack Collins. What up? And Farrell Monk is still here as well. What up? Well, we've done the uh, debrief after Brentford and it was a bit of a painful afternoon, to be honest, to be a Fulham fan yesterday and uh, lots of uh, Bees fans getting involved at Fulhamish pod. So thank you for all your tweets. Uh, we really enjoyed them. In fact, I think we may have had more Brentford fans tweeting us than three-word reviews, which is saying something because we get a lot of three-word reviews come through. We got a lot. Of, we got a lot of jip yesterday, mostly yeah. because I posted on, on, on <laughs> Thursday that Ryan Sessegnon was worth more than the entire Brentford squad. Um, could, fair to say, you got a lot of nibbles. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know well, what? I've I have triggered the entire Brentford fan base. So all five of them, they've got, they've actually got Twitter. Hey. Um, they are obsessed though with us. They are absolutely obsessed. I think they care more about Fulham's demise than their own performances. This is something that's really annoyed me right this week. Fulham are playing Brentford so obviously I'm tweeting about Brentford right yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. like obsessed I'm like no, no next week I'm going to be tweeting about Birmingham yeah. like, because Fulham are playing Birmingham but you like, know all of those Brentford fans are still going to be tweeting about Fulham or oh, talking yeah, about Fulham next season it gets me really riled in fairness they've probably triggered me as hard as I've triggered them but it really riles me like I'm not obsessed with you I don't care about your small little club like <laughs> I just wanted to beat you to one shut you up and two because I wanted three points yeah like most, most of all I just wanted three points yesterday yeah we wouldn't care so much if they didn't care so much well, I went on the um, Besotted podcast on Wednesday which Good is, lads. The, Brent, which is the Brentford podcast and they do you know what I actually had a really nice time with them they're lovely guys and uh, I mean it's not as good as us but <laughs> <laughs> you know what we had, had a nice time down at a pub on Wednesday afternoon and I asked them though I said who do you hate more Rangers or Fulham and there wasn't even an inch of debate it was Fulham absolutely Fulham can't stand Fulham it's all about Fulham and they really want us to hate them back and I said the only reason I dislike Brentford is because a few seasons ago when you came and beat us at the cottage whatever 4-1 and it just hurt it just hurt that they posted about this 
Yeah. They posted online about the fact that they said, Mr. Sammy James said that it wasn't the 2-1 Yota in the last minute goal that really hurt. It was the 4-1 that started this rivalry. I was like, what do you mean started this rivalry? It's like, there's no rivalry here. You don't like us. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it sound like Sammy started the yeah, rivalry. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I don't know if I'm speaking, fair to speak on behalf of all Fulham fans. That's just what. That's just how I felt about it. But I don't. Really, I, I still I, don't really care about it. I didn't even know there was such a rivalry until we, until we played them in the championship. All of a sudden, before that game, they were like, this is, the, this is our World Cup final we're playing Fulham I'm like is it? So if you've read yeah. this week's Collins column <laughs> if you want to talk about it um, one of the things that's probably me so my aunt's a Brentford fan as, as you might know some of you regular listeners will know um, and I went to the Yeovil Town versus Brentford playoff final in mm. League One when Fulham were in the Premiership because I was like oh little Brentford that's nice um, <laughs> it'd be nice if they got promoted for my aunt and I turned up and we all went, you know, we went, I went down to the pub, we had a really nice day out. You know, I didn't really care, they lost, but I didn't really care. Dan Byrne coming, Dan Byrne Dan Byrne coming through with the goodies for the boys. Um, but it was, that was after Trottergate as well, same season. Oh, brilliant. It was just, you know, it was just Fulham everywhere. And I remember walking down Wembley Way and all they sang about was Fulham and being like, what on earth is going on here? Why are you singing about my club? And I'm saying, you know, back in back in the Premier League days, I can't ever remember a, a Brentford chant ringing around the Hammersmith end. Yeah, ever, 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 no. ever, ever. Chelsea always a bit QPR. Yeah, but never Brentford. Yeah. We never sang about Brentford. They were, I remember after they beat us the first time, and they were like, "Oh, it's the first time we've beaten you in 20, 30 years." And we're like, "Because we haven't played you. We haven't 20, played you, you morons." <laughs> like, don't think that we've been rolling you over and there's been this massive rivalry. It it just doesn't exist until last time we played them before we jumped back to the championship was nineteen ninety eight. Were you even born then? I was five. I was five. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very young man. Well, let's look forward to uh, Birmingham on Saturday at the Cottage. Struggling in the league despite a big spending summer under Harry Redknapp. Uh, Harry. Harry only That's lasted, actually his real name. Harry only lasted a few games. Can you call uh, before... him by his proper name, please. Sorry, Harry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on his birth certificate. Yeah. Apostrophe A-double-R-Y. Now, this has happened a few times this season where we've said we've just got to pick up a win here. I think... Bolton was one of them and that didn't happen Millwall we also said we just have to win here we did manage to nick three points against Millwall through a uh, for a penalty but with no wins and two draws away from home this season this is this has to be three points on Saturday well, yeah I mean it has to be three points in terms of like we should be beating this side is it going to help us probably not like, as in I think we're too far away I'm, I genuinely think the playoff dream is done I think we may as well just forget about it and start concentrating on next season and working out you know Who's going to lead that squad into a into a better time? And you know, if that's Jukanovic, then fine, fine. I'm happy to accept that. But I'm saying that right now, what I want to do is to see this squad consolidated and and build for next mm. season. Are you seriously suggesting that Slav should go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. really. Because as in, so I got called out for this about four weeks back when I, on the way back from Wolves, I tweeted Slav out. And people went insane. People went mad. Like everyone was very cross with me. Even the Brentford been, fans were tweeting you again. Brentford fans were like, "Slav in!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Tottenham fans singing Wenger in. <laughs> Wenger. And it was it was one of those ones where you know I got called out massively, and you know I've, I've seen it being pointed out on the forums. Like Jack Collins is driving this line. I'm not driving a line. Like I'm telling you that my opinion is that Slavici Kanovic is tactically inept, and. And that's genuinely how I feel right now. I, I just don't think that a 5-4 away win from, away from home against Sheffield United and a scraping win past Millwall can just paper over the cracks of the fact that we're just not very good. Like, it, 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 the facts here are that we're just not that good at, uh, at actually winning games. All right, we, so what would... OK, your manager on Saturday, 3 o'clock, it's a surprise appointment, but Jack Collins is in the dugout yeah. at Craven Cottage. Yeah. You're facing Steve Cosserell, Birmingham manager. Yeah. They haven't got a win away from home this season. Mm-hmm. Who do you pick? And Who what do, do you I do? pick? Uh, How many I, Irish players have we oh got? God, Shawnee Kavanagh straight in that left <laughs> <bed>. um, <laughs> No, I, I, I would pick... I would pick. Well, are we going to assume that I've got a full squad selection? You've got a full squad selection. And no one's injured. Apart from. No, no, no. No, no, obviously, you know that. Reams out. Well, we don't know about Reams. You don't know about Reams. But is Brian Fredericks banned? No, yeah, Brian Fredericks is banned. Brian Fredericks. Yeah, Yeah. he's banned. And Ryan Fredericks is banned as well, along with Arsene Wenger. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, so I'd. uh, Who would I play? I'd play Tired and at right back. I would play Callas and Reem together at at centre back if I could. I would play Rafa Suarez at left back, give a run. 
I would play Kevin McDonald in the holding role. I would play Tom Kearney in the 10. <laughs> Shock. Um, what I wouldn't play is Steph Johansson in a false nine. <laughs> that is, that's a fact. That's a fact. Facts only here. Go full rogue and put Kenny back on the Steph wing. Steph Johansson is injured. He needs surgery. Send Steph Johansson for surgery. That's the first yeah. thing I'd do if I was the manager. I'd be like, Steph, go and get yourself fixed. I would play, I'd play Oli Norwood in there, despite the fact that I don't really like him because he hasn't got particularly many options in there, that's fine. Who would I play? I'd play Johan Molo on one wing, I'd play Jordan Graham on the other, and Rui Font through the centre. Where's Cess? Cess is on the bench for two... Actually, that's a lie, Cess isn't on the bench. I'd play Cess <laughs> on the left wing. <laughs> okay, I'd play Cess on the left wing, and I'd play Molo on the right, and I'd bring on Jordan Graham after 60 minutes. Okay, but well, it seems completely logical. Is Stefan Johansson injured? I don't. Yeah, apparently he's apparently he's actually really injured, like really injured. Apparently he's going to have surgery, but it's going to take him out for five months. Fulham oh, really? are prepared to let him go for five months, so they're just letting him play injured, which seems like absolute madness. Well, we did that with Kenny, and we saw how that went earlier on the season. Yeah, but this is like a. This seems like a bit more serious. Apparently, it's some sort of something to do with his knee again but um, but they know what's wrong with him apparently it's not like a, it's not like a Kenny where they're like we're not sure what's going on apparently Fulham know what's wrong with Steph but they're like the surgery is going to put you out for five months and we're not really willing to lose you right now which I think is absolutely ludicrous he's got no World Cup to go to Steph Joe they didn't did they qualify? Yeah, no, they didn't, did they? No. But it's not so much that it's the fact that just get him done get him fixed I don't want playing Steph for an entire yeah. season if he's injured because he wasn't that bad yesterday. He wasn't that bad. No, 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 not at all. But he's just obviously not right. Mm. Like, there's just he's not running properly. It, it... But is a ni- is a ninety five percent Steph Joe better than a hundred percent Norwood? Norwood, yeah, yeah probably. Um, that is a fact. It is, it, but you know, one of those ones where Steph's not been right this season at all. I don't. I can't recall Steph particularly having a good game aside from QPR. Even QPR, he didn't have that good a game. He just he just worked. He was just better than he had been before. Yeah. So, and of know, course, the Sky Sports pundits just look. Oh, who scored? Well, might as well make him man of the match. Yeah, Steph's not had a good season. It's, it's as simple as that, and it makes me sad because I love Steph. Well, he was pretty much one of the, he was the biggest reason. Well, one of the biggest reasons why we were so bloody good last year because Steph Joe was on fire. Yeah. So, Farrell, same question to you. What would what would you go with against Birmingham? Uh, I'll probably go largely unexciting and go largely with what. Jack pretty much would say I don't think it would be hugely surprising I'd probably you know the usual candidates Button Callas Reem hopefully if he's fit I'm, I'd probably still stick with Sessegnon at left back and probably either go Stephen Sessegnon or Tyo Eden at right back I know I know it's Sess at left back thing but he he's good there he knows what he's doing and whatnot. It's it's much more of a risk putting him left mid and then putting a Suarez in at the moment at left back yeah, but if Suarez is rubbish you can just drop Sess back at half time and bring on Niskins I just don't think Slav will do that no 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 that's what I'm saying but the question isn't are you Slavidia yeah. Kanovic the question is what would you do yeah true so no I, I still stick him at left back to start off with we can always move him forward if, if needs be because Cabano played largely largely well Cabano yesterday. was good yesterday yeah, and right. Ojo was largely good so I'd have them left and right um, and play Font through the middle. But then the middle three, you've got... It's got to be McDonald, Steph, Joe and Kearney, really. You know what? The lineup mostly picks itself. As in, without being... You know, aside from Steph putting Steph as a false nine, it's, it's usually... the lineup does massively pick itself. No. It's not... We're not here making radical changes. I'm not like, why Stevie Humphrey's not in? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, bring in Adebayo. He scored some goals for the under-23s. No. That wound me up so much last year about Steve, Stephen Humphreys. Absolutely nonsense. He came in against Brighton and was so, so far, far out of his depth that he may as well have been drowned. Um, <laughs> he, he he was just so bad. But it was one of those things where it, we're not we're not saying that, that the lineup is is that weird. You know, aside from aside from the force nine, that's the only thing in that lineup where we're all like, what on earth is going on? And obviously, most of the fan base would like to see Sess further forward, right? That's those are two inexcusable facts about that lineup. Okay, half the half the fan base might also be like, half the fan base might also be like bets in for button, but I think that's six of one and half a dozen of another. So that's not going to fi- that's not going to fix anything. Like, look, if if it makes people happy and people are like, you know what, we'd be happier with betting Elliot and goal, and he's, you know, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world. Mm. I'm not, I'm here, I'm out here defending David Button, but I'm not saying that David Button is much better than Bears. I'm just saying that the people that think that Bettinelli is like God's gift. To, to mankind and Button is rubbish are, yeah. are living in a dream world yeah it's like, absolutely, I think that's the biggest downfall from David Button is that he's not 
Marcus Bettinelli. If it was someone else who'd come in from a different team, hadn't come through the youth system, there wouldn't be this as much discussion about it as there has been. It, it's just really, really bizarre. But like, you know, if Bettinelli came in, I wouldn't be there like upset. Like that's no. fine. It'd, it'd literally be fine, but it'd just be exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. It'd be it'd be like swapping Cabano and Aite. Largely, largely the same player. Largely does the same thing. Both good players. Yeah. Um, just moving this on quickly to Birmingham. Uh, what threats do we need to be watching out for on Saturday? Obviously, I've spoken about how poor they are on the road, but they do have some decent players and uh, hotter up yeah. against a inexperienced right back. Whoever it's going to be might be an interesting battle. Yeah, of course. Well, Hotter's obviously a very very good player, and we all got very excited because we thought we'd signed him at one point. You nearly, um, uh, you nearly won a lot of money. I lost a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, 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 it's the other way of phrasing that, I suppose. Um, yeah, I was trying to look at it from a positive. Yeah, yeah I nearly won some money. Yeah, it was good. Fulham nearly got three pointers. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Hodge is obviously a very, very good player, and and it's you know he is a fact. And they've also signed Isaac Vassell in the summer, who um, has has sort of featured in a bit part role, but is obviously a very, very talented direct forward who has I think will have a very bright future in the game. So he, you know he's one to watch out for. Uh, obviously, Hodge is the, the the key man from that perspective, especially against that unexperienced right back. As you say, I think we need to basically shore up in the middle Birmingham are going to come and, and give us two banks of four you would imagine and, and we're going to have to break them down but they are very much a threat on on the counter and you know it would be you know without to, to, to coin a phrase Fulhamish to, for them to have lost all their games apart from two on the road won none and to come down to Craven Cottage and nick three points in fact last season Birmingham had won a, oh, run a, well, a 12, man, 12 game losing streak until Fulham yes. visited yeah. St Andrews so I think Fulham was their Fulham was their only win in 20 games like I remember it flashing up on screen yeah. and it was just lost, 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 lost Fulham win 1-0 which was just a ridiculous result for them well, Fredericks got sent that off. was the worst day in my sporting life we lost to Birmingham and then Ireland lost to Scotland in the Six Nations and I just completely and utterly lost my head like completely oh, does that like you losing went, your head I went off the rails <laughs> like 12 pints and just went insane <laughs> um, it was it was a really bad day for everyone involved but it, yeah as in Birmingham you know they'll frustrate Fulham. You know in the way that teams do come to the cottage, end, and they're not going to look to you know out football us. It's like you know think about it. Steve Cottrell's the manager. It's not you know mm. not coming here and they're not Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. They're not going to come and try and play football against us. They're going to try and you know millwall it, if you will, and and, and hit us hit us on the break and, and and you know look to use their physicality against us. And you know we've seen that work before. So. You know, it's, it's a big game for Slav in terms of can he get, can he manage games properly? It's, it's a huge game in that respect. They've, they've, they seem to have added well in the summer. I mean, that's down to the, the Ari effect that they, they had in the, in the transfer window. Um, I mean, under the radar, they, they managed to also pick up another former Brentford man, Harley, Harley Dean, Dean, who I was speaking to a Brentford fan last night. And he's, like, he's a very yeah. capable player. He's, you know, he's pretty good. He might be actually playing a bit under his level because he's come up through with Brentford and, you know, they're a small club. It's hard to sort of stand out. Yeah. Um, the Big one up did... Harley Dean for calling out and uh, saying that Brentford were there. Birmingham were three or four times bigger than Brentford. <laughs> <at the club. laughs> Big up Harley Dean. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a very capable player. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I mean, they, that's, that means they're going to be more defensively sound than they were when we faced them last season, for sure. And also, uh, Jeremy Boga scored an absolute screamer yeah, well uh, against Sheffield United. So uh, maybe uh, let's close him down a little bit better than the Blades did uh, a couple of weeks ago. One of like the three billion on loan Chelsea players. Ah, oh, yes, of he, course. Look, the thing is that ultimately we set up quite similarly to Sheffield United. That's 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 the kind of style we use. We're not as good as Sheffield United, sadly to say. But <laughs> so sad here. But we. Um, <laughs> that's the kind of way we set up, and if it's. You know, we saw Birmingham do damage against Sheffield United and we've got to look at that and be like, OK, we play like this. Where have they hit them? You know, what what areas have they caused them problems and then shut down those areas? That is that is literally what man management is. That is that's how you how you prove your mettle in a league, which is obviously very tough. And you have to play different types of opposition every week. So you look at teams that are similar to you that have played against these kind of teams and be like, OK, they hurt them here, here, here and here. This is where we need to focus our attentions in order that they cannot hurt us in the same way. Exactly. And uh, two games coming up. You said, uh, obviously, it would be very Fulhamish if we lost to Birmingham, but also then after that, Sunderland, on the radar. Yeah, yeah. Sunderland without a single home win. Chris Coleman. In 2017. Yeah, Chris, Chris Coleman, Coleman Kit, Simons. Kit Simons and the lads. I mean, 
it's it's looking like a scenario of nightmares. And of course, we've got previous in going to Sunderland and breaking their home record because they didn't get an entire home win uh, back in the oh, what season was it? Oh five, oh six. Oh yeah, the game got cancelled in the, the snow, snow. Yeah, and then we went back up there. Panorama game. Did you go season. to that? You were, you were there for the Sunderland Blizzard, isn't that was, your bio? I was there in the Sunderland Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> it's your claim to fame it Zach. really is I was one of about I, 52 people there I hope that doesn't happen because I'm going to Sunderland this time around so I hope there is no blizzard and I hope it doesn't get called off it's a good day out though Sunderland if it, if it gets to called to Newcastle um, yeah we're going to Newcastle yeah, the, day, the day before if it gets called off then it'll be put into 2018 and the statistic won't happen so that's fine that's true but it won't. <laughs> called off. They're going to win three 0 with Fulham linked Lewis Graben scoring a hat trick. Oh That's what's going to yeah. happen. I'm telling you right now. James Vaughan. Did they sign James Vaughan as well? I would have loved Chris Coleman back at Fulham. Oh yeah, it would have been brilliant. I would have loved that. Uh, let's move on to some questions. Yeah. Uh, look in the post bag. What's been coming in, Jack? Yeah. FFC Luke. Slav in or Slav out? Simple. Farrell. Shake it all about Slav in. Slav in. Who who are we else are we going to get? I don't know. Let's go. There's yeah. another question. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this onto a question. But like Cabano, just... Cabano at Kebxno says, who would you want as a new manager if Slav goes? There is no one available. There is, there is, there oh, is, there is. I know the answer. The answer is Graham Potter from Ostersunds. He is the absolute answer. There is, <laughs> this is like a no-brainer. This man has brought Ostersunds up from a third division, like you know, in the in, in the league, to now they're in the Europa League and they've just got through the, into the knockout rounds of the Europa League. The club have no budget, no budget at all. He is signing players and who are like has-beens and like making them into like worldies again. He plays really lovely passing football and he's an unbelievable man and he's the only English man managing in Europa or Champions League and why is he going to leave to come to a mid-table championship team Like, imagine how much they're paying him but he's not going to leave them now he's not going to leave them when they're just getting into the knockouts I he, think he, he might... would but he, he's English he, he'll come home I guarantee you offer it he's from Crawley he literally he can live at home oh he's a local lad he's a local lad he probably supports Fulham like <laughs> he, he the answer is Graham Potter that was a really left field answer to that. That was question. the only person I wanted. It's a real like. football hipster answer, but I like, it. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. But uh, still, I, 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 just... haven't, I haven't thought of it because it's Slavin. It is Slavin, and also we we went through this two seasons ago under Kit. I do not want Stuart Gray for six weeks. Okay, but do you know who we missed a massive shot on at that point? Gary Rowett. Who was available when we put Slavisa in? Yeah. Who? Sorry, sorry. A lie. He was available when we put Kit in, and so was Chris Hutton. And we passed them both up. We passed, yeah, we passed on Chris Hewton, didn't we? We passed on Chris Hewton and Gary Rowett. But we'd be sit, but we'd be sitting here um, discussing how Chris Hewton's led us to another boring nil-nil drawing. Going, Slavisa Kanovic was available, and he just got Watford promoted. No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't because we'd be in the Premiership. We wouldn't. We would under Chris. Not Hewton. necessarily. Yes, we would. Chris Hewton did miracles at Brighton with no budget. Imagine what we could have done here. Um, I'm 50-50 on that I'm going to sit on the fence there shock my bum is wedged in between some fence posts watch out for those splinters Um, what else is coming in on the post bag Alfie Bond says with the return of Kearney we've had two big results against Sheffield United and Millwall what was missing at Brentford and why couldn't the midfield get going this is a great question well there was enough big up Alfie there was enough of them yeah I mean, the midfield did get going. For the first 35 minutes, it was absolutely beautiful. We just had 20 minutes of utter madness, and that's, like, stretched from the first half into the second half, where we just lost the plot. Tom Kearney went missing. Tom Kearney went completely missing we for didn't half mention, an hour yeah, We didn't mention his shot against the bar, actually. Absolute scream. But, 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 oh, yeah. I remember saying to you... That came, I was from, stood that next came to you. from that Fredericks run. I was stood next to you at this point, and I said to you when he hit the bar... What that? Well, there's Tom Kearney. Where's he been for the last twenty minutes? Also, they didn't clap off yesterday. I was really cross. No, I was annoyed by that. Really upset by it. But he's done that so many times. Before. No, no, like very few. Cessnion and Molo, weirdly, two of the only people to come and clap. What a lad! Yeah, good boys. But yeah, no, Kearney was pretty invisible yesterday. He just went missing when Fulham went a man down, and that's yeah. when you need your captain to step up. So you, uh... I, would, I think it's a bit extreme to say he went missing. He just, it just wasn't, it was amplified by the fact that the team weren't doing well, so it was easy to sort of look at other players. Don't get me wrong, I, I think that the performance massively dropped off after a while, so, but I'm just not, I'm not going to single out Kearney from that. I'm just going to say it was a blanket performance drop. And it's difficult when you're down to 10 men as well. But against 10 men, against a good side like Brentford. 
Yeah. And one nil down. If we were one nil up with ten men, we could have gone into full defensive mode. But we were trying to chase a game and trying to outpass a passing team with one less man. It was always an uphill struggle, and it would. The only way we could have got back into it was a um, was hit was absolutely smacking it in from thirty yards, which very very nearly happened. Yeah, it? I think it would have been a different game, but it, 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 we still would have had ten men. I think we'd have then had to try and play for a draw. And it would have been a bit bit odd, I think. I feel like we would have been okay at shutting up shop. The problem was we had to go for it. Can we shut up shop? We're not we, we, we're, 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 we're incapable of shutting up shop. So as well. right, on that on that note, Gordon at FFC Riverside, which is a good handle, opposition managers are constantly saying we know how Fulham will play and adapt their tactics to counter it. Does SJ study opposition tactics or is he too stubborn with his possession tactics to adapt? Is he starting to question the quality of his squad to deflect critics? We've got a good enough squad, though. That's what's angering me. We have a good enough squad. We have potentially the league's best number 10. Yeah. We have a future England left winger. Yeah. And we have some brilliant players all across the pitch. Yes, a couple of positions are a little bit light, but this team is massively underachieving. And for Slav to even believe for one second he doesn't have a good enough squad is ludicrous. Yeah, so then how can you then turn around to me and say Slavin as the only option? As in, surely this buck stops with Jukanovic. The squad is good enough. I'm Slavin for now. I'm slavin because I don't think changing it halfway through the season is going to bring us any benefit. Fine. Comes to the summer, let's have yeah. another let's have another debate. I mean, and, and, and assuming that it will just end as I totally expect it to end in eleventh position, yeah. Um, then I think it is definitely have a look uh, at what's going on because I don't think Slav's the right man for it. But we have a good enough squad. Well, that's absolutely well, that's, spot, that's absolutely between. spot on because why take the risk in dropping mm. or getting rid of Slav now when? You know, we've seen what him and his team are very capable of yeah, last yeah. season. So let's, you know, give him, give him where okay, you let, know, the opportunity to bring it back. Let's rephrase that the original question then, because I, I also don't think the slack, sacking Yanovich right now is the answer. I don't, I, that's not what I'm saying when I'm saying Slavisa out. I'm saying unless your Osterton's man is available. If, if John Potter's coming in right this second, bring him in. Um, aside from aside from that, what I'm saying is yes. I I, I also don't think the sacking a manager like willy-nilly with no replacement is a good idea. I'm not saying we should just suddenly cancel a visa and, and be like, no, nah, we haven't got an option. What I'm saying is that we should start, we should be looking now at other options. Mm, we should no, all... Well, there's, you know, I think that owners always do that anyway. I think we should... Because that's, that's, well, that's what good owners should do. Don't just sack someone unless you have someone lined up, which was our problem when... We got rid of When we got rid of kit. And we had Stuart Gray for six weeks and it was just everyone looking around kind of going what are we supposed to be doing here I mean I'm not criticising Stuart Gray I mean he was pretty yeah, thrown, was he was thrown up and thrown in the deep end and did an admirable job kind of steadying it but um, we don't want to do what Birmingham did last year which was they sacked um, Gary Rowett when they were fifth and then got in that was ludicrous I mean that was, that, I was that's, that's not even comparable that was one of the weirdest decisions I've ever seen it's a joke it was an absolute joke but I wouldn't say it's it's very different to what situation we're in because we know what uh, Slav's team is capable of. I've said it a few times already. And it's the same for Gary Rowitz uh, Birmingham last season because look what he did. And then it could go really, really pear-shaped. I mean, they yeah. almost they stayed up on the last game of the season. I'm, I, I think that the Slav in, Slav out question has been you know really kind of polarised almost in terms of I, I don't, also don't think we should sack him immediately. What I'm saying, when I'm saying Slav out, I think we should be looking at we should be looking at replacements, and I think that no one, no one in their right mind would be like, just get rid of Slav with no with no mm. idea what's coming in. That's nuts. That'd be nuts for any fan to say. Like, I'd rather have Slavisa in charge than no one in charge. That's, you know, this yeah. isn't a, this isn't like a, a one or the other thing. What I'm saying by Slavisa out is that you know if he continues performing at this point uh, at this rate, then at the end of the season he should lose his job. Cool. Uh, what else is coming in on the post bag? I think that's mostly it, really. Yeah. Um, I think I have one pure power this is a good question am I wearing button tinted glasses for thinking that he hasn't really done anything wrong to deserve dropping the first goal was deflected so it seems harsh to blame him and his poor kicking came mostly due to our own defenders playing him into pressure I don't think yesterday was his greatest performance when it comes to distribution but I just didn't think like Farrell said was it really that much of an issue that it cost us the match no yeah. I mean, he's not the... I, I remember he misplaced a pass, right? Um, a really bad one. I think he was trying to find Fredericks on the right. And that was out, Went out of play. And then three minutes later, and we were still discussing the button pass out of play. And one of the Brentford players down the right did an equally terrible pass straight into the dugout. And I was like, what real difference is there? 
mm. in what just happened apart from the goalkeeper did it and one was a right winger yeah. like it, misplaced passes happen has he careered the ball like Darren Randolph style into a play, into a forward this season no you Randolph out of this I just don't see why this is a debate it's not even close to being our biggest problem at the moment there is about half a dozen things that are a far greater issue the balance in the midfield Slav's tactics the lack of tactics from the manager the fact we don't have a right back next week there is far more pressing issues he's he's two of our own so no I don't think I don't think Alex is wearing button tinted glasses he's really spot on well that's that's basically it I mean we're kind of sick to death of talking about about oh, it because so it's such sick. a it's just such a non-issue it's a non-entity yeah. it's like if Bettinelli comes in fine if Button's there fine like, yeah, exactly. it's just one of those ones where like would I drop Button no like as in if Slavisa does it am I going to be upset not really no. like I just don't care but as in it, I don't think it's going to make a massive difference either way unless unless Button has like a worldy game or an absolute horror show of a game I think we've got to put this topic to bed <laughs> I just feel like we're discussing it constantly. I'm going to put an article out about uh, win ratios under with Bettinelli and Button in goal because people keep being like, Bettinelli's win ratio is much better. It's not. It's pretty much bang on. They're well, pretty much exactly the same. Well, let, let's call it then. You put that article out and that's it. That's it. That's it. I'm, I'm bored of doing Button well, and Bettinelli. No more Button Bettinelli. Let's get Stockdale we're, back. We're going to get facts, facts only <laughs> on the internet and then we're uh, once that's done, we're finished. That's it. No more questions. We're finished. It's over. But keep sending in your questions. They are great. Yeah, no, no, no. All of these questions yeah, are great. Really I'm, just good, saying, yeah. um, I'm just saying that's the end of the question. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. That's a that's a very important and very useful question because we actually we actually want and also you're not wearing button tint glasses, you're you're spot on. I want to see what they look like. I love some. (laughs) If you have some, please send them into the pod. Yeah, where where are they on sale? Yeah. (laughs) Um, well thank you so much for listening this week. It was a bit of a rant to be honest today, but I think it was needed and probably expected after what was a a pretty uh, a pretty tough afternoon for, for all Fulham fans. Do you know what my, my favourite part of the day was uh, before the match and after the match? We had a lovely Nando's, didn't we, Jack, after yeah, we the did. game? And really uh, had some pints in, pints in Jono's Bar uh, in Ealing, which I, I thoroughly recommend. My first time there. And although I don't really love a Guinness, they certainly know how to pour a Guinness in that bar. So I uh, thoroughly recommend. Well, tomorrow evening is very exciting. Fulhamish is going to the FSF Awards. We're nominated for Club Podcast of the Year and we're up against some mighty fine opposition um, uh, Anfield Raps in there um, Arsecast which is a really big Arsenal blog and podcast uh, from the Rookery End uh, Watford podcast I think there's a Man City one and also a Hull one called the Amber Nectar which I've not listened to but Bring I've been, informed, but really I've been informed by a Hull City fan that they are a very good podcast as well yeah. so we're, we're among some mighty fine competition to be perfectly honest I'm not expecting to win tomorrow but we're going to go there we're going to have a lovely evening and um, keep keep an eye out there on Twitter tomorrow we'll keep you informed of uh how we do and uh, I'm sure you will hear it from us if we do somehow go there and pull out a shock victory yeah there would be would absolute, there would be limbs there's going to be limbs all over the gaff I'm going to give speeches it's going to be insane is, is it going to be one of those ones where uh, oh, this is not to be I'm not expecting it at all and Jack pulls out like a massive like I'm gonna, speech I'm going to sing I'm going to do all of the classics I'm going to sing shite life on stage <laughs> I'm going to thank God and my mum and, <laughs> and also some other stuff so uh, we'll get a live feed if we win an awards are on you, the stage are you dusting off the old tucks and tails no I'm not actually I'm, I'm just I'm going. I'm going classic grey, grey suit. Yeah, I've got, got grey suit as well. You might dress down, go in my pajamas. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Good lad. We'll keep you informed of what's happening at the awards tomorrow. Keep your fingers crossed. It might be a big victory for Fulhamish. One one victory for Fulham this week would be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> especially after our Sunday team got tonked six two this morning as well. Oh, I was we, hoping you didn't mention that. We could, we could do we could do some cheering up. We maybe, could do with some positive. Hence the morale boosting McDonald's afterwards. Exactly. Uh, so we'll be back next Monday, looking back at the Birmingham game and then looking forward to that ominous trip to Chris Coleman Sunderland the week after that so it's Jack Collins thank you very much big up Lucas Piazzo oh yes we met him yesterday and there's a brilliant photo of me Jack and Jack's brother all in green coats and uh, Lucas Piazzo he actually replied to us this morning yeah I know did he yeah he loves the lads Um, (laughs) and the sesh He's he's I love him he's so a much. Bloke. I love him so I love it when he when people bite on his Twitter and then he bites back. I'm a bit in love with Lucas Piazza. Whisper uh, it quietly. <laughs> thanks for our monk. Oh thank you. And thank you from me. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Toodles.
ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Sarah. And we're the hosts of Pantsuit Politics, where we've built a community around grace-filled political conversations. And we wanted to share the words of our listeners because they understand best what we do. Susan told us, Many times I've used your words when my own have failed, opening doors that allow for discussion rather than debate. Amber says we encourage her to be more involved, to be a better citizen, and to be part of her community. Nicole said, Listening to you two process with one another is the only way for me to become unstuck. With the impending election on the horizon, join us and our amazing community of listeners at Pantsuit Politics as we prepare to vote, process the election, and prioritize our values and each other. Make sure you participate in our democracy by listening to Pantsuit Politics and, of course, exercising your right to vote. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.